Hello and welcome to the Henrietta Christian Fellowship Podcast. The notes for the sermons featured here can be found at our website, henriettacf.org. Also, on Android or iOS mobile devices, you can find them on the Uversion app. Just click on search for live events and enter our zip code, 14543. Without further ado, here's this week's sermon. In this the season we're in, you know, and uh, you may know other people that are that are struggling with, with, with things, uh, but you know, I, I just the Lord has really just renewed my 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 hunger for fasting and praying, and uh, and I just want to encourage you that uh, you know, you know, some, some people say, well, you know, you don't understand. I I really do very very poorly when I don't eat. You know, what I mean, like I'm really just I have you know, health issues or whatever, you know. But um, so yeah, fast a meal, fast some food or something like that, but. Um, it's a way of just humbling ourselves before God, you know, when we really want to cry out to God, you know, clear our minds a little bit and, uh, you know, just get ourselves focused on what exactly it is that we're praying for. And, um, and so, you know, there's a, lo- there's a lot of things about fasting. Some of them are mysteries. Some of them are, are clearly understood. But, but it's, just, it's a way of just humbling ourselves before God to seek him. And um, I don't know about you, but, man, I got some stuff to be praying for. You know, I'm praying for Jim, uh, Lord, coming up on this surgery and... Uh, you know, I have somebody very, very close to me really going through a, a hard time right now. And, uh, you know, just it's one of those ones where, you know, there's no pretty way to walk through it. It's just you've got to walk through it anyway, right? And uh, so, you know, just fasting and praying for them. And, you know, Carol Combs is starting uh, radiation treatments. And so I'm, you know, fasting and praying, you know, for, for these, uh, you know, these things that I'm getting before God about. And uh, I, I'm not a big person for, you know, like trusting the news media to tell me much of anything. But, uh but I tell you, I mean, you know, I know there's a lot of turmoil in the country, and uh, Frank, I'd know that without turning the TV set on, because you listen to radio, right? No, <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying. But you know, but you know, and you know, and so you know, I'm fasting for my country, you know, I'm fasting for this nation, fasting for uh, you know our leaders, whether I agree with them or not. You know, I mean, there's, uh, and you know, I don't. There, we've never had a president, we've never had elected official that I was like, yeah. Finally, somebody who represents me, okay? Um, but, you know, you, 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 you find the ones that, <clears throat> that you can believe in and, and you know, and, and you support them, maybe especially. But, you know, God didn't say, look, I will uh, watch over those that you agree with, you know, and, or my only desire is for the people that you like. You know, so I pray for them whether I like them or don't. You know, I pray for them, you know, and, you know, and, and I, I support them. You know, I got to admit, there's something more of a struggle to support than others, you know, but, uh, but, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't turn my heart away from those people, it's, uh, but to them. I pray all the more diligently for God's mercy, for God's, you know, to, to be present, to speak, uh, Lord, to put prophetic people near them, and, you know, and whether, again, whether I agree or disagree, you know, and uh, I like consistency. We're going to talk a little bit about constancy this morning. You know, by, by being constant. You know, not, not, not going this way and that and changing with the seasons. There was an old uh, Puritan scholar, and uh, he wrote a, an article on singularity, about not changing, you know, about, you know, understanding who you are in Christ and not changing. You know, and he talked to somebody who was a, a, a bit of a politician. They'd served as, as a person in the court of, you know, several different kings who had been very, very different one from the other, but nonetheless, they'd served in all these courts. And, um, 
And he said he asked the person, how is that possible? He said, by being a bending palm rather than a resolute oak. And then he wrote against what the guy said. <laughs> he said, you know, we need to be resolute. We need to, to, to know what the truth is. We need to know, uh, you know, the things that God desires to see us stand for, right? And not just sway and change with everything. You know, the, the, when you're looking for something constant, when you're looking for something that gives you a measure of where you are and uh, that gives you a measure of right and wrong, you know, you, you know, if you've been involved in ministries where you're ministering to troubled people, you know you can get lost in there. You can get into the place where all of a sudden you realize, ooh, wait a minute, uh, my standards have shifted. You know, because, you know, I, I remember I, I very clear, I was at Teen Challenge, and, uh, you know, I'm dealing with murderers, I'm dealing with people who have, you know, grand larceny, and all kinds of, and there's one day this one young fellow was, was pacing the floor and looking really distraught, and so I, you know, I don't jump on that right away. Hey, I'm, we're teaching them to seek the Lord. And so, you know, if I keep intervening before they turn to God, I mean, that's not a good thing. So, so finally, I just went over and I said, what's the matter? And he's, oh, my goodness, oh, I'm in trouble. I'm in a, oh, you know, I pulled him in the offices. I thought, you know, he killed somebody and he's just feeling convicted about it. You know, what, you know, he says, well, you know, before I came into the program, well, you know, my neighbor was out of town and I knew where he kept his car keys and I took his car out for a joy ride and a policeman stopped me and, and he asked me for my license and I said it was at home and so he gave me this appearance ticket, and I'm supposed to go and show my driver's license. Now, my, I'm going to tell you something, real honestly. My first response was, oh, pfft, oh, <laughs> is that all? And I realized I had shifted. I had shifted. Okay? The standard that I believed in all my heart is standing for, down in the, in, the, in, in, in the trenches, you know, it had shifted. And I thought this was no big deal. Sorry, broke the law. This is a big deal. You know, I mean, and, 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 I, and, I, and I had to catch myself, you know, because I was about to say, ah, you know, like this. And I said, no, I can't do that. No, for me to do that as a person who represents, you know, this, this you know, God and, and, and what God stands for, I can't do that. I can't, you know, act like this is no big deal because compared to other things, it's no big deal, right? And so, you know, it's like this thing about constancy and about this singularity. You know, in science, it means something else. We don't worry about that. But singularity that just, I am this one person in Christ. And that, you know, God can count on me to be that. You know, those of you that play keyboard instruments or even use computers, you know when you push the key, you're supposed to get something. All right? And if you push the key and you don't, there's something wrong. All right? Well, to understand that, you know, God has caused us to be the people that we are. And he's calling us to excel more and more in these things. All right, so that when he, when he releases us, when he puts us in a situation to minister, he knows what he's going to get. Okay? And so, you know, we talked about the scripture in uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 about, you know, having received this instruction that the goal was to excel more and more. Well, over in Genesis 49, 4, it's Jacob, uh, you know, basically, you know, giving the blessings, if you will, blessings in quotes <laughs> over his children. But some of them, you know, had some things that he needed to say to them that weren't particularly blessed, okay? And to one of his kids, because he was a moral profligate, he said, unstable as water, you shall not excel. All right? And, and the word for unstable he's using there was, was a person who was, you know, morally unstable. You know, so he's saying morally unstable. You know, you will not excel. And, and just that to understand that this issue of stability, of constancy, 
You know, if we're going to excel in the things of the Lord, all right, it's, it's crucial for us to grasp it. You know, that, um, that once God gets you, think about, if, you, if you've ever trained somebody in a sport and you teach them how to do it and then they don't do it, maybe with an instrument, you teach them how to do it, and then, but they don't do it. You know, and you have to keep coming back to these basics and keep, because they don't quite ever grasp those basics that, that make it work. You know, but so, you know, in this world right now, everything's shifting and swaying. Okay? I mean, people that, that were saying, hey, you know, our democracy, blah, 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 now are saying we don't need to accept results of elections. Now, I'm not picking sides here. I'm just saying, well, right's right, wrong's wrong. You know, well, let's find out what's right and let's do it. Okay, folks, you know, can we, can we come to what's right? I'm not going to get involved in it. You know, honestly, what's going on right now, I've decided I'm going to be who I am in this thing, and, you know, unless called upon, you know, I think this is something that just needs to work out. And I know that I need to remain the same. All right? I, I've never been somebody who preached politics from the pulpit, and I'm not going to start today. But things are shifting and swaying. And we as the people of faith in Christ, you know, for some people, you may be the only constant they know. I remember I was at, at the uh, Strasbourg Planetarium, and they did a, it was an award-winning um, uh, star show, which they put the stars on the ceiling for those who have never been there. And anyways, and at some point, they started moving the stars on the ceiling. And, and it's all dark, and all you can see is the stars. And, everybody, and, everybody, and they started moving the stars, and everybody went, whoa, like this. And then they started rocking, and like the people, ah, like this. And they said, now, if you're looking for some constant, they put a little red laser dot in the middle of the ceiling, and then they moved it. <laughs> you know, people are looking for something, you know, that's constant. You know, something that I can depend upon and you know something? You may be it. For some people, you may be it. You may be the, the one where it's like I can always count on you to be who you are. You know, that you're, you, you don't shift and change. You know, something upsets you and you don't become different. All right? And so, um, constancy. You know, it's the quality of being faithful, dependable, enduring, and unchanging. Now, most Sundays you come to church, I'm going to tell you <laughs> it's about changing. Okay? God wants to change you. But once God gets you to this place, right, you know, there comes a point where, no, it's no longer about changing. God is not trying to change you. He's trying to get you to be constant in the thing that he's put in you, right, that he's developed something in you, and he wants you to be constant in this thing. And that's what we're talking about today. Not gonna, we're gonna, maybe you have to change to being constant. Well, that don't make your head hurt, okay? So, but I want to talk about four people you know, as I, as I was preparing for this message, I knew it was from the Lord because God kept putting people around me uh, to, um, to, to, to show me, yeah, yeah, this is what it's about. And the first person was Nancy Cecil. You know, she just keeps on loving. You know, here's somebody, you know, that her husband had a stroke about six, seven years ago, all right, and followed by a couple other strokes. And basically, you know, he, he became really pretty much unable to really communicate as he had. And we have diligently and faithfully prayed for him. And Don, I know, has taken it up as, 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 a, as a personal mission from God to just pray for him. You know, and, uh, you know, but, but I watch Nancy, you know. And if you're looking for an example of constancy, she's, she's one of the people around here that I think just teaches it to all of us. You know, to watch her sit him down and comb his hair. I mean, he doesn't care, but she cares, you know. To, to see her, you know, visiting him all the time. You know, and I mean, probably four years ago, I mean, the personality of the person that I knew and loved was pretty well gone. But he was still physically healthy and able to walk, uh, knew who I was, knew who Nancy was. He, 
He can be completely gone and out of it. And, and, and then it'll be saying, say, well, Nancy, you know, he, he loved, he, he loved Nancy, you know, and, and, uh, and, you know, they, they had a good marriage, you know, but uh, constancy, you know, and there was a scripture that came around in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day for momentary light affliction. Mind you, he was talking to people who were going through suffering that would scare most of us. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, of the moment, for now. But the things which are not seen are eternal. And I remember the Lord using the scripture in me as a, as a young Christian, as a very, very new Christian. I was still going to the Lutheran church, uh, you know, where I was going when I went to the crusade and got saved and everything. And, uh, you know, but, you know, and I'm reading the Bible and um, in this scripture. And you have to understand, I, I'd come out of atheism, kind of this, you know, northern German kind of European, western rational kind of belief system. And the things that were seen up to the point where I received Jesus were the only things that were real. And so now understanding that there was a shift that God was wanting to, to, to do in me where the things which were not seen, which were eternal, all right, were to become the things that gave me the greatest guidance in what I was doing. You know, because if you look at, at the cause and effect of this world, you can learn a lot of scientific principles, great stuff, but you will not learn how to serve God, you know, by just looking at cause and effect in the material, you know, world that we live in. You know, there are things that are right, whether they cause you pleasure or pain. You know, I, I know like Jess, Jess Tillipaw was writing something for school and, uh, you know, she, and, you know, there was a bunch of questions about morality and things like that and, you know, how, how do you live a moral life? And one of the things that I said was uh, because that I, I, I chose to not believe some things that pain doesn't mean I'm, I'm wrong and uh, pleasure does not mean I'm right. You know, that I got to look at what God says. You know, I got to look at the things that are unseen because the temporal things that I'm tempted to, to give into. You know, I mean, the scientific facts for, for, for Virgil, you know, would have told Nancy, he doesn't even know whether you're here or not. She knew whether she was there or not. God knew whether she was there or not. She's looking at the things that are eternal, not the things she, she you know, I'm going to see Jesus, you know. I'm going to see my husband again, you know, all restored in his right mind, you know. And at that moment, I'd rather he's able to say, that was like amazing, Nancy. I, you, you came and saw me over and over and over again, spent all that time with me when I couldn't even respond. You know, we had an experience like that. Again, I have so much of the formative stuff in my life happened at Teen Challenge. There was a guy that picked him up by the side of the road. And, uh, I mean, literally, he was just wandering at the side of the road, didn't know who he was, had no identification on him, uh, was obviously having some sort of psychotic break. And so they just bundled him up and took him to the Rochester Psychiatric Center when he used to be in the big tower over there on Elmwood. And um, he got a call from his family Nobody knew what to do with him. They said, uh, but would you guys go and visit him? So we went and visited him, and uh, <laughs> he had some interesting conversations. At one point, he, he, I came in, he was more medicated than usual. I said, um, I said, why is he so medicated today? Well, he tried to escape. I said, have you spent much time out on the floor lately? I was trying to escape would be a sign of mental health. <laughs> I said, what are you doing? They said, well, you think you can do better? I says, I don't think we can do better. I says, I says, but I think God can. I says, you know, come on. You know, so we started, you know, building a relationship with the folks there, and eventually they released him to us, and he came to Teen Challenge, all right? Totally unable to communicate, all right? Just kind of 
floating around. And so it, you know, the family asked us if we would do this, and we said, yeah. And so we took him in, and we just ministered to him like this, you know, seeing the things that aren't seen and not being swayed by the things that are. And uh, eventually, you know, it, it got to the point where we had problems with him keep wandering out, you know, <laughs> and we said, I don't know if we're really capable of, of handling the security concerns. So after about three months, we gave him back to his family and said, we, I think we've done what we're able to do. And so at some point, through treatments of whatever sort, he got his mind back. And he came to us, and he grabbed a hold of us, and just wept and thanked us. He said, I, I couldn't respond to what you're saying, but I heard everything you said. I heard everything you said. Thank you. You know, I, I just, I still don't understand why, you know, why, why you, you, you bothered. You know, why, why you know, because like nobody else would. You know, and it was just, and it was such a witness to him. You know, the, the love of Jesus Christ. And, you know, and, 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 and God began to make a pathway into his life. And I had to release him, you know, as far as to, to others who were believers who continued to minister to him after we were done. But, you know, this, this thing that, that we see in Nancy, you know. But um, I got a new friend, all right, and uh, somebody that I met through a set of difficult circumstances he was going through. And uh, we got on the phone uh, the other day, and just just talking a little bit about what he was str struggling with, because he suffered the loss of a loved one prematurely, and uh, it's it just you know, and he's still processing it. And anyways, and at some point he started talking about about you know, well, do you want me to write it down for you so that I can share this with you? I said, oh, I says you you know, I says please by all means, you know, you know, write this stuff down. I says if not for me, for you. I said because you get the opportunity to kind of process all this stuff down and everything, and we started talking about how important it was that in the midst of, of, of struggles, in the midst of difficulties, you know, that, that we take the steps, you know, the constancy, you know, becoming somebody who is something in the Lord that doesn't change, that can be counted upon, to, to, that, that when God reaches for that tool, it hasn't changed. When God reaches to, to press that button, it does what it's supposed to do. You know, that, that, you know, that we got to take the steps. You know, sometimes we look at people and admire them. And ad admiration's a good thing. You know, it really is. But emulation is a better one. To say, I admire them enough to want to be like them. And you never get to be like them by just trying to think like they do. You never get to be like them just by admiring them. you got to take something that you see and say, I'm going to do it. You know, at that point when you step out and start to do it, you know, this, this kind of, solidifying of who you are starts to, to occur in new ways. You know, so I learned that from my new friend. And, um, and I thought about the scripture in Proverbs 4, 25 through 27. Let your eyes look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Watch the path of your feet and all your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil, you know. And then I've got a young apprentice. He's sitting out back, you know. And uh, we were talking about growing in patience the other night, you know, and, uh, and, you know, and, and just he was saying, you know, that he says, you know, I've gotten to the place where, you know, when people are just being slow and, you know, just kind of, you know, just not really cooperating, he says, you know, I, I'm really, I'm, I can really be patient with them. He says, but when people are rude and, and nasty and everything, he says, you know, I'm really having a, a struggle with that. And so, you know, we talked about how that, you know, it, it, it comes in, in stages, you know, it doesn't come all at once, you know, that, that you got to stay with it. And um, that growth and grace comes a little at a time. And I reminded him of a lesson that I taught a long time ago where, um, and I've taught it from time to time where, because uh, I, I won't do it anymore, my wife forbids it, but I, I, I used to be able to jump up in the air, lay out flat, whew, fall for the floor like this and stop myself just before my nose hit the floor. 
Okay, you know, just toes and, and shoot those like this, and just stop just right there. Just, just, just your nose be like that far off the carpet. Yeah, and anyways, and my, and so anyways, and then, then the question is, how do you think I learned that? If you think I learned that by jumping up into the air and falling, you're mistaken. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'd have broken enough stuff to stop long ago. I said, but you know how they taught me? They had me get down on my knees and get myself as close to the floor as I could, put my hands in front of my face and fall forward and stop myself. And then little by little, they got me up on my feet, and then I could do the thing. Won't, I won't do anything. My wife's giving that, that look of, you're going to pay for this, you know. And it, but, I, you know, I could just drop from here, and then I got to the place where you drop from here, and then I got to the place where you jump up in there and do this thing. You know, sometimes we see things in people we admire, and, and, and somehow we have this belief, which is really damaging, that they somehow just came by it like this. One day they just woke up and said, hey, I think I'll try this, and it worked for them. You know, but truth be known, like the good qualities that, that God has formed in us, they formed a little at a time. And so if you're young in years or young in your faith, don't be discouraged. You know, step out boldly. Try this stuff. Sometimes, I, I'm going to tell you, some of those falls I tried didn't work so good. You know, I did have some bruises to show for it. Don't be discouraged when that happens. You know, but uh, keep your eyes straight in front of you. And um, then I got a brother that I love very much. And... Um, He's learning right now that sometimes being constant can be painful. You know, you know I, I know that you know, there's a utilitarian kind of ethics, and it says basically that whatever produces pleasure is good. Whatever produces pain is bad. I don't want to live in that world. Because I've had things that, that, that were pleasurable that were wrong. I had to repent of them and walk away. I had things that were painful that were right. And I had to be constant and stay and not walk away. And funny, I, I, I had somebody close to me who was very utilitarian in their ethics, and they refused to come and stand in the pain. They said, I'd rather remember them the way they were. And I was like, you'd rather embrace a fantasy than, 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 than walk in the truth and, and come and do something. You know, and uh, as Christians, we can never be those people. You know, I mean, if you have to, if you have to, you say, you know, I'm sorry, I, I got so much broken stuff inside of me, I don't think I can do that right now. But you can't be satisfied there. You can't stay there. You, know, you, you got to say, God, you know, today I can't do it. Tomorrow I want to be able to do it a little bit. And, and I want to get to the day when, God, whatever you need me to do, I'll step up into it. You know, I thought about Hebrews uh, chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, since uh, we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us. All right now, the cloud of witnesses being talked about in chapter 12 is the cloud of witnesses that was described in chapter 11. Uh, we call it the roll call of the heroes of faith. And, um, and he goes through Abraham and Sarah and just all these different people. And, you know, and eventually he gets down to Gideon and Barak and Jephthah. And, and, and anyways, then he starts talking about these unnamed people. There's this cloud of witnesses that went before us. That are, that are, they're, they're, they are people who witnessed, but there's also, you know, depending on how you look at this, they're still watching. You know, they're still watching what's happening with those that came after them. And so, so they're surrounded by this group of witnesses, and, and it gets down to these, these witnesses towards the end that it's not going to name. It says, they were sawn asunder. People took saws and cut them in half. And they remained constant. They remained faithful. And since we were surrounded by this cloud of witnesses that wouldn't change in the face of even the greatest of suffering, it says, let us also lay aside every encumbrance. You know, encumbrances, they're different for each of us, and they're a long list. 
the encumbrances which so easily entangles us, and, let, and, and the sin that, that, that entangles us, I'm sorry, okay? And let us run with endurance the race that's set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And then it gives this instruction to us. Consider him. Consider him. And I would encourage us all, and especially when you hit those times that are difficult, consider him. Take some time to consider Jesus, the life that he lived, the, the difficulties that he faced, and the death that he suffered for us, the resurrection that he, that, that he accomplished for us. Consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself. This Jesus that you're following is not somebody who's up on a pedestal somewhere, and you're going through what you're going through, and they're kind of saying, oh, poor you. No. No, you're following a leader who went through this and more. Uh, and that, you know, he consider him who endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So that you won't grow weary and lose heart. You know, that's the, that's the, the threat to, to constancy. Is that I was just getting tired. That, I, you know, that my heart just gets broken to the place where I can't do this anymore. And at that point, we get to the next piece, which is that, um, you know, it's the victory that Jesus accomplished for us. That's what keeps us when we get to the end of ourselves. Just, you know, this is not, let's see how far you can take you, and then when you're done, you're done. No, 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 no. God's got more. You know, it's standing firm in what we know. All right? Ephesians 6, 10 through 12, the armor of God. Isn't that a great chapter? I love the armor of God. You know, I think you know, we teach it in Sunday school and we learn all about it and everything like that. And I think we, we, we give up on it long before we really ever grasp what it's all about. You know, but to understand that, you know that armor? You know, I always studied it for, for most of my Christian walk as this New Testament thing. And it was like, it's cool. You know, hey, if I'm going to live for Jesus, you know, I get this armor stuff. It's cool. You know, and, and you know, it's great. You know, and, and so, you know, and I got, you know, if I'm going to deal with stuff, you know, Jesus gave me this armor. Do you know that that armor is first mentioned in Isaiah 59? And that it was the armor that God said he wore? Yeah. Yeah. The armor of God is not meaning armor from God. It is the armor that belongs to God. It's his. Okay. It says he put, he looked around to find somebody to send on this mission. And he was appalled that he couldn't find anybody. So he puts on his own armor and he goes out to fight. <clears throat> he puts on a helmet of salvation, a breastplate of righteousness, and out he goes. God is not inviting you into a battle he hasn't fought. Okay, God is inviting you to put on the same armor he puts on and go into the same fight he's fighting. You know, those times where we look and we say, I, I don't know about this one. And it says here, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. When you run out of your own, you got his. Now, wait a minute, I started to think about this a little bit more because I'd always thought about it like, you know, you finish your Pepsi and you can have some more of somebody else's. Well, wait a minute, why do I have to wait till mine's done to start using his? Anybody who's ever read uh, Pilgrim's Progress and then read Christiana's Journey understands that Christian goes to this valley and he meets this, this, this destroyer, this dragon called Apollyon. And he has this awful battle and he's near about killed and, and he barely escapes with his life. And then Christiana comes, his wife decides to follow years afterwards and go to where Christian has gone. It's this allegory about going from the place where you were lost in sin to the place where you're saved for eternity. And anyways, and so she decides to walk this. And anyway, she gets to this place where you enter in upon the path. 
this little wicket gate, they call it, which is English. I don't know what a wicket gate is. I think it's made out of like wicker. You know, it's like, you know, it's just, or it's just not a very substantial little gate, probably something you just walk by and not notice unless you knew this is the place you were supposed to walk. And so Evangelist tells him, see on, uh, you know, wicket gate. He says, you know, enter there, you know. And so he goes and he walks through the wicket gate. But she comes to it much later. And she's heard the stories about this terrible time that her husband had. And so the gatekeeper, she says to him, you know, well, I'm a frail woman. She says, you know, and uh, I, I, I don't think I can do this. And he says, well, wait here, and I'll go ask the Lord of the, uh, you know, of the land, you know, what he has to say about it. And so he comes back. He says, he said to give you help. And so he gives her a helper. Uh, I think it was Faithful. Is it Faithful or Greatheart? Greatheart. He was a Greatheart. Yeah, Faithful is the one who dies with Christian at, at Vanity Fair. Uh, so he, this guy named Greatheart. He was this, you know, in the pictures, he's this great big hulking guy in armor and everything. <laughs> and they get to this valley where, where he met Apollyon, and they just walk through. And anyways, and she gets to the other side, looks back, she says, wasn't this the valley where my, father, my husband near about met his end? And he says, well, yeah. And, you know, and she says, well, how is it that I walked through unscathed? He, says, he, never, asked, he never asked for help. He says, you, you asked for help, help was given. He says, Apollyon won't, won't attack those that have help. And I started thinking, have I been waiting too long to ask for God's help? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's right. You know, so you know, if you're going through difficulty, don't wait until you run out of your stuff to start asking God for his. Amen. All right? Amen. I see somebody who teaches it out back there smiling. You know this story. <laughs> so anyways, I'm, not, I'm, I'm fairly accurate, eh? Yeah, okay, good. Yeah, I, just, you know, I always like to talk to my experts from time to time, you know, make sure I've got it right. So anyways, um, but it says here, put on the full armor of God. It doesn't say put on some of it as you need it. Get suited up. Right? You don't know what you're going to face. Let's put it all on. And here's why he put on this armor. So that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. I used to te- I, was, I was teaching parenting, and I, and I used to teach that, uh, you know, that I had searched the Bible for God's method of raising children, found that God has no methods. Methods are not mentioned in the scriptures. Taught that for many years. And then stumbled across this. I was reading this, and I decided to look up this, in the King James, the wiles of the devil. And I thought, I wonder what wiles means. You know, it's one of those, I don't even know what that means in English exactly. You know? So I thought, let me look it up in the original language. <laughs> the original Greek word for this is methodia. <laughs> you know who's got methods, little tricks that he plays to get his way? It's the devil. You know? And so this armor, so th- those tricks he wants to play, that stuff he's got planned against you, you'll be able to stand firm against it and not be overthrown. Right? That's what God is calling us to. Don't be overthrown. You can stand firm against the schemes of the devil for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. You know, we just got through voting and I know we got all into the flesh and blood stuff, but let me tell you something. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Okay, what is it against? It's against rulers, against powers, against the world force of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Now, what I want you to understand, you think, where did all that stuff come from? Devil make that? No, God made that. But what happened was it fell. When we fell, it fell. All right? And those things that were created by Christ for himself, those authorities in the earth, those, those spheres of authority. In fact, uh, one place the, in, in the Psalms, uh, the psalmist is describing how he saw the earth. And he said it was covered with scales. And I looked that up. What it was, those scales represented the authorities that, that covered the entire earth. God had set authority over the whole earth. And he said to, to man, take dominion. You know, take, you know, I've already set up the government. You take dominion. Right? And when we sinned, 
And so basically what happens is, you know, if you're president of the United States, let me tell you something, you best read this scripture. Because if anybody's going to need the whole armor of God, it's going to be you. Because you just took up one of those spheres of authority the devils are trying to run, and you're trying to steer it towards righteousness. You're going to need the armor of God, folks. So do we. Because we may have a smaller sphere of authority, maybe a small, smaller place where we rule and exercise authority, even if it's only over your own heart. God has given to you authority to govern your heart. In fact, the one who doesn't govern his heart is like a, a broken down city wall. All right? It's, you know, and, and so you have a, he's given, a, even if it's just yourself, he's given you a place to rule for Christ. Maybe he's given you a, a household, a business, maybe a group of friends that look to you. I don't know. So let's keep going. Maturity. See, because maturing is becoming what you're supposed to be. Maturity is just about becoming what you're supposed to be. That's all. The full-formed adult version, and then we say, ah, that's maturity. And as somebody moves toward it, we say they're maturing. And then somebody say, yeah, they're mature. You know, they're quite all the way there, but they're mature. All right? And so this whole idea about maturity and constancy, all right, that as a result of the fullness of Christ, that Christ is the, is the root of the constancy that, that, that God wants to build in us. You know, this is not about you becoming tough. I remember watching uh, the difference between wrestlers and gymnasts, gymnasts okay? Because, like, wrestlers, you know, and gymnasts were like, you know, like this. And I said, talk to me about that. It looks like what you're doing is awful difficult. And I says, why aren't you, you know, why don't I see that on your face? Why don't I see that in your movement? They said, oh, in gymnastics, it's very important not to muscle it. Explain that to me, you know? I always feel like Ricky Ricardo at those moments, you know? Explain that. You know, I mean, it's like, you know, and, and anyways, and they started talking about this thing of, like, just learning to control your muscles and your movements to the place where you're doing this, and it looks easy. It looks graceful, all right? I decided at some point, as much as I love the wrestling thing, I kind of like the gymnastics thing, too, you know, which is that, you know, I, I want to get out there and wrestle some for Jesus, I started to understand, the more I let him, let his strength flow through me, the less I got to muscle it. You know, and uh, perhaps the more graceful it looks. Perhaps to the unbeliever who's near me, the more attractive it seems. That you seem to have some power at work in you that is making all this work. You know, I used to respect you, but now I respect something in you. Some that I see that it, it can't be you. You know, because I know you, you're just like me. But you've got something I don't got. Wow, there's some English for you. Sorry. Anyways, English teacher out back there, you know. So I ain't got no good English this morning, sorry. So, but there's just times when you're preaching bad English helps, you know. So but over Ephesians 4.1. And he gave some apostles and he gave some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith. Okay, you want to be constant? Get a hold of that faith. Get a hold of what it is that we all agree to in Christ. You know, all the stuff we fight about, you know, okay, we'll fight forever about it. But Get a hold of stuff that we all agree about. Who is this Jesus? You know, how is it that a person is saved? Is there a God or no? You know, you know, is there a heaven? If there's a heaven, how do I get there? You know, I mean, let's get a hold of the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. 
you know, if you're not spending time seeking after God and saying, Jesus, I want to know you, reveal yourself to me, I encourage you to start doing that more. Because constancy will build in you as you come into a knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Not the eh, little dabbling with Christ. No, the fullness of him is what produces this mature stature. This, this stand that, that we have. What man by taking thought can add one cubit to that stature? It's not by thinking it through. It's by b- putting your faith in Jesus Christ and getting out there and doing it. You know, that's so much of it. All right, so, uh, and it goes on. It says, as a result, as a result, here's the results. We are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried around by every wind of doctrine. You know, in the church, every, every, every year we got new teachings, you know. Oh, this is the new thing that's going to, you know, bring down the victory and the city of Rochester is going to be, you know, transformed in a moment, you know. And it's like, and there's always something new that's being thrown out there and everybody's running after it, running after it. You might notice I stopped running after it, okay. It's because, you know, some, there is this core faith. There is this Jesus Christ that I found. There is, you know, this, 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 this maturity in Christ that you find where it's not a maturity that dismisses the powerful. It's a, it's a, it's a maturity that embraces the source of the powerful and says, God, you know, this is not about what I can hype up. God, it's about what you're ready to do. And Lord, change me. Make me your own. You know, we sing these things, you know. And, uh, and, 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 I, and, I, and God, I want more of your Holy Spirit. You know, and, and whether or not I got all the hype and, and stuff, it's like, God, I just want that, those times where I speak a word and it's from you and it just pop it just accomplishes your purpose. I want that, that, that prayer that I pray to be answered in ways that they know it's from you. You know, Gabriel Gerby is my mechanic, a Jewish guy that's an unpracticing Jew. And the, the doctor said, you're going to die at an early death of Yo- uh, Crutchfeld-Jakob's disease. And he told me that. And I said, no, you're not. <laughs> I, said, I said, because, you know, I trust in Jesus. I'm going to pray. And I says, and you know what? I says, you're not going to die that early death. The doctors are mistaken. <laughs> Got my big mouth running, you know. So anyways, but, uh, you know, but you got to be willing to take the risks, you know, because, you know, I want to see the power, you know. And that's what this is talking about. This is not talking about a conservatism that says, because I'm not being tossed to and fro by the latest winds of doctrine, that that, that I I stop believing in the power of God. No, all the more I believe in the power of God, I don't want to waste my time chasing after things that year after year after year have produced little or nothing. You know, I, I want to pursue the things that are of God, that have been there, that are the constant root, you know, that is Jesus Christ at work in us. And he says that, um, he says also, he cared about the winds of doctrine and the trickery of men by craftiness and, and deceitful scheming. He says, but here's where we're called to, speaking the truth in love. All right, that's what I did with, with, with Gabriel Gerby. I spoke the truth in love to him. We we're to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. You know, and I wanted to speak for Christ to him, to understand something. I'm not trying to call you back into Judaism, nor am I trying to convert you to Christianity. I'm trying to introduce you to, to your Messiah, to, this, to my Savior, you know, that, that loves you enough that he's not going to leave you alone to, to, to die an early death of Christian Jacob's disease. You know, and, and I don't know where it's all going. He says, well, I, I'm not very religious, and I don't really talk about those, like to talk about those things, but every time I go there, he brings it up, and we talk for at least a half an hour, maybe an hour and a half about these things. All right, so just, you know, this is what it's about. You know, patient endurance, ouch, lacking nothing because we have been tested in the fire. 
You know, we get going through difficulties sometimes when we decide to take these stands. You know, you, you take on a job working for a Christian school, and, you know, and it's not, I, I've worked in Christian schools. It's not an easy thing, you know. You take on medical things. You know, you decide, I'm going to work at a, at, at a big, big college and, and prepare food, you know. I'm going to take care of people who don't like the way they look and want me to make them look good, you know. I mean, it's just not, whatever challenge you've taken on, you know, but to, to, to understand, you know, that, um, that this scripture, you know, it applies to you. That, uh, you know, that when you go through the fires, because of the stands that you've taken, because of the decisions that you've made in Christ, take a stand for Christ in whatever situation you're in, and then whatever you're suffering, you're suffering for Christ. And it says this, that consider it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter these various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith now, it's when you're in that fire, it's producing something in you. It's producing an endurance, an ability, even at times, a willingness to remain in a place of difficulty and suffering. Right? To, to not, not look for escape from this because I know God may have put me here. And I go back to Brother Yoon, being in prison, being dragged, unable to walk anymore every day to be beaten, and people saying, we want to pray that, that, that you get out of here. And he's saying, well, but I don't want to get out of here until my mission is accomplished. And they're like, what are you talking about? He says, the people that are dragging me back and forth to uh, the room to be beaten, I'm witnessing to them, and I believe God desires to save them before I'm released from here. How do you pray like that? <laughs> I don't know. But he does. Because he took a stand for Christ in that prison, and... You know, it was producing something in him. It says, but, okay, faith produces endurance, but let that endurance, that patience, that willingness to stay in those places have its perfect work, its complete work, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Now, there's a big scripture on that page if you're looking at the notes, but we're only going to really deal with a small part of it because basically 1 Corinthians 15, 54 through 58, if you've heard it, you probably heard it at a funeral. And that's because it talks about the spiritual truth about physical death, about, you know, death being swallowed up in victory and, and the sting of death being, being sin and, and that that's removed. And, and the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. Thanks be to God, listen to this, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to tell you, that victory, that victory that says I am saved, that victory that says my sins are forgiven, that, that victory that says I have eternal life, I received it, I'm getting it, and I'm going to have it. Okay, it's all of that. All right, and he says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. All right, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. You know, and I want you to, to, to just do something for me. If you don't have a picture of eternity in your mind, in your heart, in your soul, I want you to get one. All right, I want you to go, go read Revelation or something, read the last couple of chapters or something. Get a vision for, for, for eternity. And keep it. You know, get a vision for that day when Jesus said, you know, you're going to hear, well done. Get a picture of that. Get that in your mind. You know, because when you hit the difficulty, sometimes that's what keeps you. Is that I know this is not it. There's a reward that's coming. And even whatever I'm going through right now, I'm standing. I'm going to stand. I'm going to be constant. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be enduring. And I'm going to have that reward in eternity. He said, oh, that's pie in the sky. Yup. Because at some point, it's going to be all we have left, okay? <laughs> so, you know, so I'd like some, some pie there, you know? Not just a grandma's table at Thanksgiving time, right? 
But, you know, this is a discussion of what happens when we die, but it's something that applies while we yet live, all right? The real victory is at the end of the consummation of all things when, when Christ returns and we're, we're with him and we're like him. We have divine power to be constant, to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of God. We have divine authority to, to, to decide that's what I'm going to do and not give up. You know, I, I was sharing a story the other day, and, uh, and you know, when Peter was in the hospital, he was sick, and uh, anyways, and, you know, th- sometimes as Christians, we don't do dumb things, all right? And I don't care who did this. Please, if you know, don't tell me. <laughs> but we were up in the hospital with Peter being treated, and it was in his last six months of life, and uh, probably last three. And uh, anyways, um, and somebody called a church that I was serving at, and they uh, said that their child was dying of cancer at the same hospital. And so they gave them my cell phone number and said, He's, his son's up in the hospital, I'm sure he'd be happy to come over and, and be with you. So I walked from my son's room into a room where there's a boy in the bed that my son knows who is dying today of cancer. He has purple spots and tubes out of every portal and portals they made in his body. Weeping, crying, screaming family gathered around this boy as he dies. And I stepped up and I I started to walk towards the room. And I remember coming to a place. I was standing in a hallway and the the room was visible ahead of me. And, And it was like, I rem- the only thing I can compare it to is that when somebody burned down the garage over Teen Challenge, the, the heat blowing your hair back. It was like staring into a, a, a blazing furnace. And I remember standing there realizing if I don't go in, nobody's coming, they'll be alone. And I remember saying to God something that I don't say very often. I said, if I do this, I want something for it. <laughs> God, I'm, I, I don't often ask you for payment, but today I'm, I'm saying, God... You know, if I'm going to stand and if I'm going to walk and I'm just going to, you know, put on the armor and go minister to those folk and go love on them in Jesus' name, please, somehow, make me more, make me better, make me something that I couldn't have been otherwise. I said, because this, this hurts a lot. And I went. You know, always abounding in the work of the Lord. When Christ returns, he desires to find this constancy. You know, looking at that time of his return, he asked this question. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? He's not talking about religious faith. He's meaning constancy. Will he find people still standing for him when he comes? In that situation when Jesus arrives to do what he's going to do, will he find you standing there already? And that's what he's calling us to. Head down, eyes forward, march. Don't stop until you reach the goal. Press on. Wait patiently for God. Don't give up. Psalms 37, 7 through 8, and we're going to close with this. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Don't fret yourself because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. Cease from anger, forsake wrath. Don't fret. It only leads to evil doing. So, so God sets us at the crossroads. God loves crossroads. And he brings us to them over and over again. And with this, I'm going to close and pray. You know, that you come to this place where no one could blame you for doing the wrong thing. No one could blame you. People even say it. Oh, come on. No one, who could blame you? But I'm not worrying about anybody blaming you. I'm worrying about God being pleased with me. You know, because... 
in the culmination of all things, that's what's going to happen. You know, the times that God was pleased with me. Because what I was doing, I wasn't doing for me. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast brought to you every week by Henrietta Christian Fellowship located at 1085 Middle Road in Rush, New York. If you have a prayer request or a need, we want you to know that we're here for you. Please send us an email at henriettacf at gmail.com. That's henriettacf at gmail.com. Once again, thank you for listening and God bless.